0: Hello friends, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records, January 29th, 2021. That day is going to be very special for multiple reasons. First, Warren coming out of Scranton wilkes Bear. Pre-orders for the Human Work LP go live and they will also be premiering a new song. I'm so hyped and so excited to hear that new song and I'm going to pre-order an album because I love Warren and I support them. Also, Shackled teaming up with Hate56 to do a live stream, which I'm so stoked on. I was skeptical at first when these live streams started popping up because obviously we would all much rather be there in person. But if this is as good as it gets for now, I'll take it because I just love hearing bands live. So I'm stoked that they're teaming up to put together this live stream. This is going to be the first one from Hate56 in 2021, so I'm super stoked about that. But Shackled, they're going to be playing a new song. They're going to have a new merch. And then there's going to be uh, tapes given away for free. Shout out to Death Clock Records and From Within Records for um, putting those tapes together. And also, if you're a Patreon sub to Hate56, there's going to be an extra song and some other goodies from the Shackled set. So please support, warn, support Shackled on that Friday. It's going to be so sick. So shout out to them. But also, like I always say, if you're not following From Within Records on Twitter, on Instagram, do yourself a favor so you don't miss out on these cool announcements. And also, coming down the pipeline, can't forget about MH Chaos. I see some of the members teasing stuff on their social media, which is getting me so excited because I'm so stoked to check out their new music. Shout out Chicago Hardcore. Also, Payback Discography is on the way on CD. I can't wait for that. Striker, new EP on the way. Like I always say go to their band camp, or go to Spotify, Apple Music, and go check out their demo. Such an awesome band, and I'm stoked to hear what they cook up with their new EP. But seriously, shout out to From Within Records. We're just constantly staying busy. We're like, we're not even halfway through January. Actually, wait, are we? Yeah, we're like halfway through January, and they're just killing it. So many awesome things coming, and I just am trying to keep up. I love From Within Records, so please, like I always say, support From Within Records because they support us. On today's episode, we track down... Antonio Marquez, the singer of Spine, and I I just gotta stress how important of a guest Antonio was back in the day, and even to this day, it's such an honor for me to be able to have him back on. Because when I was doing the podcast early on, I was—I didn't really have a vision. I was literally just in my bedroom telling stories about the week, my random trips at Disneyland, or talking about how my coworkers at the time would make fun of me. Like it was a joke to them to listen to the podcast so they could make fun of me at work. But fast forward to now they're actually real listeners and subscribers and they take it serious. So jokes on them. But anyways, uh, when I was doing it early on, I didn't really have a direction until I was listening to Ariel Helwani on the MMA hour back then. And just realizing that this is the number one MMA podcast, MMA show in the world. And he's legit calling these top-level fighters from across the world through Skype through um, or over the phone. And it just kind of hit me. If this number one show in the world can do that and it'd be fine, why couldn't I do it? So that just totally sparked and changed the whole game for me. Did a test episode with Garrett. So shout out to him for uh, kind of coming on and being a test dummy for that. But it wasn't until after Sound of Fury, I, I wanted to take it serious. And I saw Spine upstairs in the intimate stage and their set blew me away. And I just was like, I have to track that guy down and try to convince him to be on the podcast. Because at that point, I had no personal relationship with him. I never even said a word to him. So reached out through mutual friends because he, he literally became a ghost after their set that whole weekend. I saw them live and I legit tried to find him. I I spent like a lot of time, probably more than I should have looking for him and he was just nowhere to be found. So I had to reach out through mutual friends to track him down and, and it just went over. Well, I had a lot of people actually tune in and start to take what I was doing a little more serious since it wasn't just me telling like these pointless stories. Like go back and listen. It's, it's pretty, uh, I I would say cringe, but I didn't know any better. I just was a guy with this equipment that wanted to try something new. So, Go listen to those early episodes, they're still up there. Um, and from the Thanksgiving episode to now, there's been a ton of progress, and I've had on a bunch of cool people, and it just has me stoked. So it's all thanks to Antonio. Because if he would have turned me down, or if it would have went bad, if he would have just, you know, didn't take it serious, I would have just packed it up and probably would have still been telling these random stories from Disneyland and then eventually get over it. But that didn't happen. It went over well and fast forward to now we're over 200 episodes deep we have a strong listener base Sh- shout out to all of you who are subscribed and even shout out to people who aren't subscribed that still listen I-, I seriously appreciate all of you for giving me your time taking the time out of your day to listen to my podcast because i know how precious people's time is so seriously thank you for the bottom of my heart and and listen to spine if you haven't had a chance go look up or go to bridge nine go buy their new record because i think Some colorways are still available for uh, their new record titled LOV, super fast, nine tracks. And I'm so stoked that they finally put it out. I'm really into that record. So strap in and without further ado, welcome Antonio Marquez to the show. and we're live welcome back to the podcast antonio
1: thank you thanks for having me again
0: appreciate it okay but before we start i have to tell you this story because i've never told you this before i've said it numerous times on the podcast but way back when it was uh you know i asked you to come on the podcast and at that point in my podcasting career i was kind of like wishy washy not really sure what i was doing with it or what direction i was taking it but it was, um, you know, right after Shannon and Fury, I just had this idea because I, I used to do these email interviews, which um, was OK. It was short lived. I, I, I did like a couple bands, um, but I, I wanted to take it to the next level. So it kind of popped into my head. I was like, oh, I could do my email interviews, but I could just have them on the podcast and we could talk and I could have like a better structure and get the answers that I actually want. Because there were so many times where. I would email people from bands and they would give me a cool answer, but I'd want to dive deeper, but I couldn't because that was it. The email was over. I didn't want to go back and forth with like a million emails. So I had this idea to start having people on the podcast and I tested it out with uh, this guy Garrett I'm, and it turned out pretty well. So I was like, all right, I think this could be like a real thing. Like, let me try to see if I can get somebody from a band to actually give me the time of day to make this thing happen. And like I said, it was after of Fury. I reached out, uh, you know, uh, to you through a mutual friend our our friend uh travi b shout out travi and i i, I told myself and I, I never told you this before but i i told myself if this podcast with antonio goes well this could be a thing and we'll keep this podcast going if it turns out horrible that's it it's a wrap like i'm done i don't want to do this anymore so i put out that episode with you it was way back when episode 21 and I got some pretty good feedback and that is what kind of set me on this weird trajectory and me doing this podcast for so long. So I just want to thank you for giving me the time back then when um, you didn't have to, we didn't know each other. So it, it just definitely means a lot because it, it definitely changed like this whole thing. And I, I, I appreciate that from you.
1: That's cool. I have no idea, honestly, like, uh, um, but I mean, honest, I'm glad that it like turned out to what you wanted it to be. And, you know, you've done several like a ton since then and you know from like a platform standpoint it's pretty eclectic on like the people that you talk to and and you interview and I think um what separates a a good podcast from a bad one is um you know willing to go like in depth with whomever you're talking talking to and 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 subject wise and I think like I think that that might be something that really benefits you and probably what's been able to like propel you because I mean that first interview we did was was pretty in-depth and, and complex and it wasn't like very surface level and kind of like you said like when you do an interview through email and i've gotten those before like it's hard because it's very just one-dimensional right there's just like there's really no back and forth um you know it's easy because everything's transcribed right then and there you can just copy paste put it on your in your zine or on your blog or whatever but you know if you're really trying to like dig deep you know you've got a uh, doing it doing it through a podcast, you know, voice video, or even just transcribing it from, you know, to print from, you know, audio is I think the the best way to do it. So um I think that that served you really well and and yeah, I didn't I had no idea. That's awesome. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. It was like this like unknown pressure that I put on you that you just had no idea. But but yeah, like I I did the the, the podcast with you and I was still on the fence about it. Like I was getting good feedback, but I was still, uh, you know, uh, just dipping my toes in. I was still nervous and just had no idea really what I was doing. So even after the episode I did with you, I only did one episode uh, solo. And then after that, it was just, uh, you know, I, I just started um, just kind of diving in and just started having people on. So so it, it's crazy. But I honestly like, you know, just always give you props like whenever people ask like how you know how did i get started or where did this podcast come from i, I always have to give credit to you for doing that podcast way back when because that's what i uh, seriously that, like that's the reason why i'm still here years later doing this podcast <laughs> well shit
1: man I, I i will say that uh i guess i'm i guess i'm glad that people were interested enough to like to check it out or whatever but you know that's like i said it's it's a testament to to your drive and and your interest i think in in doing this and so i mean it could have been anyone else. Honestly, you know, I think you just needed somebody that was willing to sit and talk with you about bullshit for an hour, hour and a half. And, and I think, you know, the, the proof is in in the pudding, you know what I mean? So.
0: Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Well, I'm seriously glad that you're finally back. I know it's been so long, but I'm, I'm happy you're here. Uh, Spine put out a record at the end of last year, which I thought was uh, awesome, Uh, but I was a little curious and I always like to ask because obviously year 2020 uh, is an insane year uh, and you guys decided to put that record out it was like mid-December was that always the plan to release a record uh, at the end of the year?
1: No, it was not (laughs) that's kind of it kind of like is one of those things that um it got delayed several times because of COVID I'm um, originally it was supposed to be out. I think in may, okay. um, we had, we recorded that record in the winter of 2019. I think we ended it like last January maybe. So it'd been ready to go for a while and we had a rollout and everything kind of planned and tours and shows and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, I ended up getting pushed back several times, um, because of COVID and then, um, and then i pushed it back once due to an art issue that i wanted to i wanted changed and and it was like well do we put it out like now or you know what do we do and so i feel like that time period too like at the end of like december like quite frankly it's cool that people have checked it out but like with covid and you know hardcore is a, a live person's game you know in my opinion so the fact that anyone checked it out during like what i think is like probably the the easiest time of the year to just like not pay attention to anything is cool uh but definitely not like an ideal time period for us to like put it out but it is what it is uh i'm i was just glad that it was out there it's been something that we've been thinking that would have been released you know months and months prior and um and i think we were just fortunate enough that it it still came out and and you know has done what it's done you know
0: yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Uh, the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of like on the fence of if bands should be releasing music or not during this thing, because like at, at that time, we weren't sure how long it was going to last or how long shows are going to be gone. Like, was it just going to be mm-hmm. just a couple of months or what? So mm-hmm. my line of thing was like, OK, maybe people could just hold out until it's over and then we, we could get the whole package. We get the, the rollout and then the shows and the tours and everything. But it got to the point where, all right, there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm just happy that bands are still wanting to stay active. So I, I went from being on the fence to, like, I'm all about bands just putting out material during the pandemic, even though they can't do much with it. Besides, like, you know, these live streams, which have been awesome. Uh, I think that's better than nothing. So I'm I'm happy that you guys decided to, you know, finally just put it out and not wait. Because, um, you know, because here we are early 2021 and things haven't gotten that much better.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I kind of, you know, so we share members with, with devil's den uh, from Kansas city sick band, and they actually released their record right at the beginning of COVID. And um, it was kind of one of those things that like, I think it might've been like the 21st of March or something like that. Um, And it was like one of those things that was like, there was all this other more important shit going on in the world Mm -hmm. that like I think that by the time people checked out devil's den um, it was much later in the year and they didn't really benefit from like, you know, having like a, a release, you know, on a Friday and having shows and stuff like that. And I feel like in some ways it kind of got buried. And I think that like for a lot of like newer bands, uh, devilsden has been around for, for a bit, but just newer bands in general, I think it's kind of hard to, to get any traction like with COVID because, kind of like i referenced before i mean hardcore is just such a live you know live you know piece of art that like it's it's hard to like release music and not play on it right and so um i think that the the idea at the time was kind of similar to like like maybe i remember talking to him and being like hey maybe you guys should hold off on releasing this record you know at that time the kind of the ship had already kind of sailed and it was coming out like the week later but Um, I had thought like, Hey, you know, maybe this isn't like the best time to release anything. Maybe just got to hold on to it. But, you know, as it kind of continued on, you know, my whole thought process was, was like, especially as the months kind of grew is like, you know what, like we've, you know, we need like a creative outlet here. And like, um, you know, we need this, I want this to come out. You know, I want people to hear it. Um, We'll play shows on it whenever we play shows on it, but like, we're just going to keep kind of like going, you know what I mean? And I think that that's, the route that i think a lot of bands should should do um is just to like to not like hold back and i i think i've seen like a lot of like people um and bands just sort of like lose interest because they're not playing shows or you know because they can't you know they're not interested in recording music or releasing music but like you know i think i think the big thing is just to kind of keep that creativeness going and just pushing forward especially during like a pandemic because fuck man like you know, there's, there's not a lot out there that, that you can do, you know what I mean? So you might as well just try to focus on what you can. And and I think releasing music um is is a great idea during this time period as opposed to just hold on to it. And that kind of went into the whole process too with like having this record come out at the end of the year. It was just like, well, I mean, do we hold this thing or just like and come out with it in January? Do we come out with it in March? I mean, that now we're well over a year after this has been out. We've already written new songs like, you know, and then it's like, damn, like I want people to like listen to this record and enjoy this record, especially if we're going to be writing another record or we're in the midst of doing that, you know? And so I think all in all releasing music and, and, and trying to be as creative and forward thinking as possible during the pandemic without playing shows, um, I think is really important.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, Cause you guys think about like, I know bands that have records that they're just waiting and I'm just like, all right, that's, that's your game plan. That's cool. Like I've, I I can't really knock it, but what, uh, the time's passing. like we're not gonna get this time back. So yeah. uh, I, I feel like people should just put things out. i i I always think about um so I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. She had just put out a like um, before the pandemic, she just dropped a record and she had like this whole world tour planned. and then, Uh, pandemic happened tour got canceled and then she you know never got to really do like the whole like uh, you know full u.s tour like she normally does like she'll put out a record do a full u.s tour you know themed around the the whole album and it's always super cool but this time around pandemic happened couldn't do it and then she just ends up uh dropping two more records which is insane because that never happens because she'll normally drop go away for a couple years and then come back but for her just to have so much free time and this like, you know, all this like create creativity flowing and just not wanting to sit around and, uh, you know, keep it from like her fans or whatever. She just decided to put it out. And it's just like such like an insane thing because it's never happened before. And I am a fan of her music and I, I love like bands. So like I'm never going to be mad at bands putting out content like if a band puts out a record, I'm not going to, you know, huff and puff or be upset about it. I'm like, oh, I'm always going to be interested if I'm a fan, you know?
1: you you know, you bring up a good point. I I would say, you know, for, for bands that are like sitting on material to release, to release it whenever like they're able to kind of go forward and and do what they want to do with it. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad idea, but like, I don't know. I don't know how to word this, but hardcore is full of a lot of people that are very fickle. Right. Mm -hmm. And like very like in, in today gone tomorrow, which is fine. Right. And I think that, you know, by, um, by holding on to music and by, by not like trying to keep some sort of momentum, it makes it harder to kind of get back up again. You know what I mean? So like, you know, let's say, let's say it's been two years, three years, you know, and maybe some cases four years since you've released, you know, new material in our case, the, our last record came out 2018. So, um, you know, and you're holding on to that for so long, I think that you kind of like miss out on trying to reach some of that fickle audience per se to sort of like, kind of hope maybe keep them interested into like the next release. Um, I I would be curious to see what hardcore looks like a year from now, you know, and, and who's still kind of around it and kicking with it. Because um, I think that you, you lose a lot of the passerbys if you're not being um, active in some sort of way. You know, I think if you go away and come back, I think it makes it harder, if that makes sense. So being creative and, and releasing stuff, I think, um especially right now, I think is really important. Just if you're a band and you're and you're trying to to kind of continue any time of type of momentum that you've had before, um before this, I think it's important to to kind of keep that in mind. Um, but again, you know, we'll see what it looks like a year from now. I think it's probably the safe bet when shows and tours will probably be happening again. I mean, we'll see, but um I think that that will be kind of a telltale sign of of kind of where we'll be at as like a as like a scene, you know?
0: Yeah, there's there's no real uh, you know uh, light at the end of the tunnel. We're all just kind of sitting here in the dark. Uh, yeah, hoping for one thing to happen to try to you know change or you know turn the tides and uh, set us on more positive direction when it comes to this pandemic, but it's just uh, you're kind of up in the air. And nobody really knows. So I feel like, like I said, we, we can't get this time back. And I would like, I, I would like for bands to put out stuff, but and also there's no real blueprint. Like um, if you do or yeah, you don't, yeah, there's don't. there's no real right or wrong because uh, like I said, yeah. we, like nobody, like we've never been through this before with like our scene uh, just kind of being on pause in a sense like when it comes to the live aspects obviously the digital stuff still happens and you know the, the physical media it's, it's also there but there's like that giant chunk of our you know uh, scene that it's, it just isn't going on right now which is really weird
1: totally yeah i mean i think that uh you hit the nail on the head with that i mean you you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you know what i mean so it's like you know i think at the end of the day, we'll kind of see like what happens when there is light at the end of the tunnel and there are shows and stuff like that come back again. But I think like for spine, the big thing for me is just to sort of like from a creative standpoint, like I need, we need an outlet, right? So let's, let's not hold back, you know, or, or maybe wane on interest or anything like that, because we're hoping for something much larger in the future. Like, let's just, let's just kind of keep it going. Like we needed, you know, people that like music or like hardcore or, even more, even if they like spine, you know, they want to hear new music. They, they they need something too. So let's just kind of kind of keep that moving
0: forward, you know. Yeah, and you, you mentioned earlier that it had been two years since the last record came out. Did you want to have like a little gap in between the albums? But because I know, obviously, that, I mean, you mentioned earlier that the record was done, uh, you know, for quite some time. But before that, did you want a, a, a little gap or did you want a quick turnaround?
1: Um. Honestly, I didn't know what we were going to do after Faith. So every record we've written basically since time has gone has been like, all right, let's put everything we got into this. And if we want to, you know, like if it was our last record and if we want to do something afterwards, we will. I mean, we're kind of one of those bands, like we're not like road dogging like six months out of the year, three months out of the year type of thing. You know, we're, you know, for us, like we're writing music and playing music because because we love it and, you know, we do stuff when we can. So there's no like pressure, I think on us, like there are maybe for like some bigger bands that are constantly like on the, on the touring circuit and are doing big tours and, you know, kind of have to satisfy, you know, any type of like contracts or, you know, really trying to like build themselves up um, in any sort of way. So I think when we're writing music um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, because there, there isn't, um, but I think just for us, like we just, I've never looked at the band in that light. Like that's never been something that I've really wanted to do. So for us, when we're going to write a record, we put everything we want and everything we can into it. And when it comes out, we'll play on it. And if we want to do another record, we will, you know, and if not, then that's the end of the band. I mean, we've been a band since 2011 now. So um, when Faith came out, um, we had... I mean, we didn't know what to expect from it, honestly, and, and um, you know, we did a few tours on it. Uh, last, well, 2019, we toured more than we probably had ever toured as a band, really. We did a uh, West Coast tour with um, RJC, did an East Coast run with RJC. We did uh, East Coast Weekend. We did This Is Hardcore. Um, might have done something else. Um, all in all, I mean, we did probably a month of touring total, which is maybe, maybe six weeks of touring, which is kind of a lot, like all together as, as far as the the band goes. Um, so for me, I I didn't know that we were going to do LOV until maybe a year and a half after faith came out. Um, and it was before the, the East coast run with RJC. And I think that July or something, I was like, Hey, you know, I've got a lot of material here, like lyrically, how do you guys feel about writing for a new record? And, and uh, everyone was down and, and so I was like, all right, let's do it. But I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to like, uh, I guess I didn't want to, I didn't want this to be a, like a long process. Like either we had stuff to write and stuff that we liked, or we just weren't going to do it. And so um, it was around that time that John had decided to, kind of step away from music for the most part especially a lot of his projects um, at the time he uh, had just had a baby and um just wanted to focus on that and so for me it was a it was a different task because me and him have always done the band together so it was like okay so if we're gonna do this and we're gonna write new material I just have to have a heavier hand than I've ever had before because we kind of split duties in the band and kind of take it from what I want from sonically and, and vision wise what I want the band to be. Cause I think going forward, this is going to be, you know, really slightly different, just a completely different B. So anyways, at that point, um, you know, we decided to write, we wrote, I think before the RJC tour, we had like five songs done. And then when we came back, we wrote another four. I wrote all the lyrics for that record, um, that I ended up using on that tour actually in the van and um yeah we, we started recording the winter of that year and and then it came out um you know a year and a half after we recorded it or a year and some change after we recorded it but you know if we wouldn't have done anything until now as far as like a follow-up goes like I would be fine with it too I think it was just you know it's kind of like one of those things like we just kind of will write whenever we want and like I said we've got eight songs for an LP already done that we want to try to record and have out by the end of the year. Um, that isn't really like, uh, again, not on any type of timeline, just sort of like, hey, you know, we've got these songs that we want to do and demo out and we like them. So let's let's do another record. So, so as far as gaps go, like there isn't, uh, it wasn't uh, intentional or non-intentional.
0: Well, I'm glad to know that you guys have new songs written so i know that um as of right now uh you know love is not the end of spine there's mm-hmm. you know, there's still some future ahead uh want to uh, mention that uh tour that you did on the west coast with rgc you guys played a program date yep i was at that date and and here's a here's an embarrassing story so at the time I was working two jobs. I was working two full-time jobs, which, uh, which was rough. I, I probably would never do it again. And, um, it, it was fun for, for the time being, but I, I didn't realize like how like, uh, physically worn out I was and like mentally worn out. Cause it, it was just, you know, I was just kind of just going working 16 hour days. And I remember I pulled up to the program parking lot before the show started and I was like, all right, cool. Like, let me catch like a quick 10 minute nap and then I'll go, you know, pay to get into the show and it'll, it'll be fine. And that ten minute nap turned into me sleeping through the entire show. I I woke up to, um, to the noise of kids walking back to their cars, and it was I was so bummed and so embarrassed that I was like, "Damn it, this sucks!" Like I can't believe I slept through like this whole thing, and I I just felt like just like such a piece of crap because I I wanted to go to that show so bad.
1: That's I think I remember you texting me about it. Um, like I I think I remember you texting me day of that you were coming to the gig and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that you were, you know, on your way or something like that. And I think you texted me afterwards that you were like in the parking lot and that you had like overslept or something like that, like after we were done or whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, like I've, I've had some, um, I've had some situations like that where like, you know, you think you're going to take a nap for like 10 minutes and you wake up like 23 hours later, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, I mean, working two jobs is brutal, man. And you don't even notice when you're in it. You know like you don't notice like how taxing it is when you're in it it sucks yeah it, work it sucks man Fuck that shit
0: yeah it, it literally got to a point where i was just like like i, I had like you know I, I still have like the same corporate job that i've had so like i was making fine money there but then i had this uh, roommate and he was like hey like uh you got off really early um do you want to just come work at like the job that i'm at like they'll pay you pretty decent and you know it's better to make some money than just sitting around and i thought about it I was like, yeah i was like i, I could like put my time to better use and like i i did it for as long as i could but then got to the point where just like little things just started bothering me and i was like i don't have to be here so i was like i'm just gonna quit so yeah 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 so i I ended up quitting and then that's when i realized that um i was like i kind of realized like holy shit like i wasn't really that happy for like like the past year doing this and now that i have all this like free time and i can do whatever i want and uh you know i'm still okay you know still making like money's fine like whatever not struggling I, and I was just like questioning myself, like, why? Why did I do that for so long? So, like, I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm never doing that again. I was like, I, I value my my time, so I'm, I'm just gonna spend it wisely.
1: For sure, man. I mean, like, uh, it's worth more than the dollar. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I w- and and that's why, like, sometimes uh, I i all get invited to go do stuff, or people would want to do certain things, and uh, in my mind, if I'm not gonna get like, you know, a hundred percent, like, you know enjoyment at what we're doing i don't want to do it and and some people get bummed out because they don't understand like my point of view but it's like no like like i was like had to figure out how to have fun with just a couple hours in the day because i had to, i was working these two jobs but like once i was free from that i was like i want to have way more fun and not waste it anymore
1: totally totally i mean i think that comes with age you know true and, like experience you know i think you get to a point where like shit man like i think last year no yeah early last year there'd been like a few shows that had come through and i just had gotten to a point where like and i have a pretty pretty stressful job and um i would know that these gigs wouldn't start like bands would start to like 10 o'clock if i it, like depending on where they were playing mm-hmm. and as much as i'd want to be there and see you know see the bands or see some of my friends and stuff like that if if I knew that that gig wasn't starting at 10 o'clock, I knew I had like a, you know, to be up early and, and deal with this stressful ass job. I just wouldn't do it because I just, I knew I wouldn't have fun. You know, I'd just be being, I'd just be there pissed because bands hadn't started yet and not pissed because I knew I was going to be tired in the morning and that was going to be exhausted and have to deal with all the BS from work and stuff. And so I just, I just wouldn't do it, you know? And, um, but I think that just comes, I think just with age. Cause like, you know, maybe me, like. Five years ago, I'd be like, fuck it, like, whatever, I'll be tired, like, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't care about losing sleep or whatever. And then you get older, and you're like, man, like, if I'm not going to get, if I'm not going to get out of it, what I want to get out of it, it's not worth it to me. I'd rather just sit at home and watch something and go to sleep early or do something that's just going to make me feel better or happier than like forcing myself to do something that I know I'm not going to get enjoyment out of, at least 100% enjoyment.
0: Yeah, there was plenty of nights where I'm standing in program calculating how many hours of sleep if I get home on time from the gig. Like, okay, if I get home, you know, if I just leave straight home, I'm not going to eat with anybody. I'm just going to go straight home. I'll be able to get like two and a half hours of sleep and I can function on that for, you know, at least half the day. And yeah, it was just it, it never turned out well because I, I would do it. And then I'm just hating myself the next day, like while I'm just trying to get through the, the obligations yeah. that I have.
1: Totally. Totally. I get it, man. 100%. I mean, I'll be honest. I have no idea if we'll be out at California again or on the West Coast again. Who knows? I didn't know that we were even going to do that gig with RJC. We originally weren't going to do that that tour. And it was actually John that convinced me to do the tour uh, when he was still in the band, because we were planning on going to Japan during that time period, and mm-hmm. something we'd wanted to do for a long time. And I think John was like, no, man, like, I think, you know, I think this would be good for you guys because you haven't been back there since we did the run in, like, 2013, I think it was, or 2012 with Nachos. And, like, I, you guys really need to go out there. Like, this would be a great tour. And so we ended up doing it. It was awesome, and I'm glad that we did. It was – you know, Japan would be cool, but that tour was amazing. But, honestly, when we were out there, I was like, damn, like, I have – I mean, it took us, like, what, five years or so to, like – um you know, to make it out there was or seven years to make it back out there. Um So, I mean, I have no idea when we'll be back out there again, but maybe, I mean, when we played Sound and Fury, um, we only did that one gig. And I, that was like, a, I think Sound and Fury was t- 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 2018. So, um, you know, at that point, like, and I don't know, like I kind of see that, that gig. I mean, that was a sick, sick show and we had a really sick set. Like it was, it was very surprising to me. But um, I had thought, okay, like we'll play, we'll play this fest, and like that'll be it. Like we don't have to play the West Coast or anything like that again. And so doing it again in 2019, that I had like I was just kind of apprehensive about it. But when I look back on it now, I mean that fest is is very much like California, but it's also like not, you know what I mean? So like us playing some of the dates and the shows that we did play within the state too, I think was really important. Cause that was a, a great tour for us. Our LA show was awesome. The program gig was awesome. Programs in orange County, right?
0: Yeah. Fullerton.
1: Fullerton. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like I don't even like consider Santa Fe as part of, like part of our like uh, west coast experiences even though that it is because it's just there's so many other people that come from all over for that you know
0: yeah it's definitely so. a trip because uh, for, for me that's like my local fest so it uh, blows my mind when i hear about people traveling from all over the world just to get out to uh you know southern california to hit this fest because for me it's just like you know hop in my car drive like about an hour 30 minutes just depending on where it's at so it's uh, definitely strange. But w- when you guys did play Santa Fe, uh, you guys, uh, did you guys ever get any offers to do any like off shows like either before or after the fest?
1: No, no, we uh, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think we did actually, um, which would have been awesome. Honestly, like I would have liked I, like for us, it's, you know, like we played when we played this hardcore in 2019, like we um, we did like a, a pre-show. Um, and that helps just offset, like from a cost standpoint, cause like being in Kansas city, when we fly anywhere, it's, if we're lucky, it's like two fifty a person. Yeah. You know? And most of those fests, like, you know, you know, we might be able to cover one and a half, you know, flights or something like that, you know? So if we can play another gig, you know, that just kind of helps all around, you know, and obviously like we would sell, our goal is just to hopefully at least break even, um, and, so those things help, but no, we didn't like get uh, we didn't get offered to play um, like any pre shows or, or or like like night shows or anything after the gig or anything like that.
0: Okay, well, I hope at some point you guys do make it back out, and hopefully, it won't take as long. I, I know it, it, it's um, obviously out there because we don't even know when shows are going to happen again. But I would definitely love to see you guys back out here on the West Coast.
1: Yeah, it'd be dope. I mean, I would love. I, I would say that. um I've been to the East coast many times, many more times than the West coast, but um, West coast is interesting to me because it kind of has a, like certain parts of it have sort of a Midwest feel to it where like you go to a gig and you play a gig and you could tell like people that are there, like, especially where, wherever you're playing, like they don't get shows as much. And you know that like the people that show up to these gigs are like really, really excited to be there and to be a part of it. And, um, and it reminds me a lot of, of the the Midwest. And so my experiences on the West coast are very similar to that. The East coast is cool. Um, it's just that I feel like a lot of the places that you would normally play, like let's say Boston or New York city, um, or Philadelphia, um, you know, some of those places, because there's shows there, maybe like three or four a week, you know, I think it's just a little harder, um, i think the experience might be just a little bit different for like the people that show up because you know you get gigs whenever you want type of thing whereas like i think some of these smaller smaller cities that we may play or and some of these smaller scenes you could just tell that like people are just extremely stoked to be there and like buy everything that you have and like you know just really excited to just be a part of like of the gig you know what i mean
0: yeah and this isn't like a knock on like the the um, bigger scenes or whatever, but I feel like there's just like more of an appreciation when things come through because kids know that this might be it for a while versus like, you know, be living out here um, when shows were happening, there was a good show um, every week, you know, 20, 30 minute drive in any direction. So, and it's not maybe' fault. It's just, uh, you know, that's just the way it is because uh, you live in a, these bigger scenes, um, obviously more bands, more people. And it's easier to get things together versus like, you know, when you're in like a less populated scene where it's like more DIY.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, and even if you look at a, a place like California, you know, you New York City and Philadelphia and like Baltimore are all within like a few hours of each other, right? Um, but, you know, like San Francisco to like L.A., I mean, that's a whole, that's like, what, eight hours, right? Yeah. You know, seven hours, something mm-hmm. like that, you know? So like even even Vegas to L.A. is like, what, five hours or four and a half hours so, or something, yeah, Like right? Yeah,
0: four and four and a half.
1: So like, you know, it's still like pretty spread out, you know? And so if you play, if you play a gig in San Francisco, you're not going to be playing to the same people that, you know, in LA, right? Most likely. Yeah. Right. And kids, so yeah. it's easier for, for kids like on the East Coast that if you wanted to like hit all three dates or something like that between New York City, Philly and, and DC or something like that, or Baltimore, like that's, that's all easier to do. You just hop on the train or something in just, just a few hours. You could probably do it, you know, come back every night if you wanted to, but it's, you know, it's, it's more spread out kind of similar to like the the Midwest, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I really, really do like the West coast. I hope that we come out, come back out there. Um, you know, in the future it would be, it would be awesome. I would love that. Plus it's, I just love like the whole vibe, you know, the vibes just, it's just nicer. I don't know. It's, it's nice. It's nice to do stuff on the West coast. Um, as opposed to anywhere else, honestly, because, um, you know, I just think the views are just so, so pretty sometimes, you know, going through like Philadelphia or even like, this sounds funny, but like West Virginia is kind of pretty. Um, you go through like the mountains and stuff and, um, you know, you just, when you're on tour, like the only things that you see are fucking scenery and, you know, truck stop, you know, restrooms, you know what I mean? Um, so like, you know, trying to mix it up with like stuff that's real pretty to look at while you're driving for a long time, definitely helps, you know?
0: Hmm. Want to talk about uh, Midwest Hardcore for a little bit? I remember when you were on way back when, uh, you talked about how sometimes the Midwest Hardcore would uh, get overlooked. Um, but you know, fast forward to a couple of years later, I feel like Midwest Hardcore, uh, you know, has like a lot more respect. You think about the bands that are coming out of there now have only gotten bigger, and you know, uh, awesome more awesome bands are coming out of there. Uh, LDB, uh, the fest has gotten bigger. Uh, the record label they're putting out awesome bands. So I'm, I'm like really stoked to see how that growth has happened over the past couple of years.
1: Definitely. I mean, a lot of that is like a lot of that is a product of being overlooked though. You know what I mean? I, LDB exists. You know, I, I don't know that like the, the guys that have started it um, as well, uh, I should say the people that have started it as well, but um, I've known them for a while and I could only assume that the reason why LDB even exists is because bands from the Midwest just can, Continuously got overlooked for a lot of these bigger fests so it was like, well, you know what? Why don't we just do our own thing? And then, you know, Tyler's like, you know what? I'll just do my own label and put my own stuff out on there, you know. And that's really like, I think where a lot of that comes from. And you just kind of have to like force people to pay attention to some extent because it's not that the music or the or or you know the vibe is is bad or it's or anything like that. It's most people just aren't aware of it because you know I think you know when I was younger, you know, this makes me sound like some fucking old dude, but like. know 15 years ago you know when you were like you know getting into like punk and hardcore was it was harder to do right and now everything's just it's really easy to to get into it which is a good thing for people um but because of it you know you may hit you know the top 10 bands or something that like you know hardcore bands that are streaming or whatnot but you might not be able to like dig much deeper because you know it's just it's they're not you know on a playlist or whatever right and so i think that um you know what you see now is you know, a lot of people just taking initiative and being like, you know what, like, I'm gonna tore my ass off, I'm gonna do my own label, I'm gonna do my own fest, you know, and I'm gonna force people and I'm gonna get bands from the East Coast and the West Coast to come check it out and people from the South to check it out and make it my own thing. And so now you have to pay attention to it because it's not, you know, it's no longer like flyover, um, you know, flyover states, you know what I mean? It's like an actual living, breathing, you know, factor that contributes to, you know, punk and hardcore in 2021.
0: Yeah, you got to think about uh, a band like Knock Loose, arguably one of the biggest bands in hardcore, you know, straight out of the Midwest.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't, there was a period of time where, you know, Knock Loose was like purposefully being like overlooked. Like it was like, it was intentional that people were doing it because they were having a lot of success that they felt outside of hardcore that they felt like, oh, this band's not a hardcore band. This band doesn't have, this band's not in touch or whatever. And they were grossly wrong and grossly, un, you know, underestimated because you know i think that the ethic of that of of knock loose was apparent from the beginning people just didn't they just felt like it wasn't something that was contributing to hardcore at that point in time which they were wrong and and now look at it i mean like i don't know anybody i mean i don't know anybody i guess as many people as i saw maybe four years ago that that don't like straight up co-sign for how Amazing, notalus. You may not like their music, you may not be down with with it sonically, but you can't doubt the fact that those people, the guys in the band, are a hundred percent punk, a hundred percent down with hardcore, um, and totally get the ethics of of it. You know, I mean, e- even back then when people were, you know, talking shit or whatever. I mean, they would do tours that were big, and they would bring on, you know newer bands in each of the cities like you know that we're starting out you know hardcore punk bands and giving them an opportunity to kind of lift them up and I think that that's uh that's super important and you know what that's probably like some midwest shit you know what I mean like I think it's just like a very much like uh you know we are you know we do understand that we have some sort of influence some sort of pull but like we want to bring you with us you know what I mean we're going to bring whoever we can with us so people can see you know that we might play something that you may not consider to be punk and hardcore, but you know we're a hundred percent dedicated to 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 the ethics of it. You know what I mean? So, Knock Loose is awesome.
0: Yeah, I I, I think um, for anybody you know who like. Tried to, and it it was like you know I, there was like that period of time where it was cool to hate them, which I I never understand, um you know because I, I just wish like a lot of times people would just like please think for yourself instead of just jumping on these weird like you know bandwagon things. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like for, for them looking at them as a, as a hardcore band, it's undeniable because the uh, the music's good and just what what they've done. You know, you mentioning them bringing on uh, you know bands literally from the scene. Like if you look at their record release show, what that lineup was like, they could have gotten yeah. um, you know way bigger bands or bands that didn't even um, you know. Contribute to the hardcore scene but they just kept it you know straight up hardcore and it was awesome
1: yeah i mean like it's you know it's one thing like if you were to feel like hey you know knock loose like musically not for me fine leave it at that but then when you're like oh knock loose man fuck that band they're not a hardcore band they suck blah, 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 whatever you know it's like that's what that's when you you know that's when you're just a hater ass motherfucker you know what i mean like you just like straight up like you're just a hater and you know, just acknowledge the fact that you're a hater, you know, but if you, if you just don't, if you plainly just don't like, like the music, that's completely fine. But I think a few years ago, it was, it was more than that. And it was like a real groupthink deal of like, fuck this band, you know, like they're, they're trying to act like they're this or they're that and they're terrible, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's stupid. I, I think sometimes people, especially fans on hardcore, they just get too like one dimensional about how things have to be. And it, to me, it's real simple. Like, either you like it or you don't. And if you don't then leave it at that, because any other energy that you're expending on it, like just doesn't like, it doesn't benefit you or anyone else. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just accept it for what it is and, and move on, you know, don't listen to it.
0: I agree a hundred percent. It's weird to me when I'm scrolling through Twitter and I just see people, uh, you know, just spending so much time talking like, about things that they you know, claim to hate. It's like, this is so weird. I'm like, I, and I, I always say this, like, I barely have enough time to do the things that I want to do in the day. So I I definitely don't want to waste it on talking about, you know, things that I, you know, hate or don't like, or think that suck. Cause there's just so much things that I enjoy and things that I want to do that. I'm just like, want to focus on that.
1: Yeah. Well, and like the other thing too, that's comical to me is when people post it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if you don't like like it's all attention right it's like mm-hmm. some sort of attention or validation for your feelings or whatever um to me it's like if I don't fuck with you I don't fuck with you and I don't have to post it online that I don't fuck with you like mm-hmm. you just know you know what I mean like people just know or, or, you know your band or whatever you know and I think that like when you're posting about it and you're trying to get attention and you know it becomes this whole thing it's just I don't know it's just not for me I'm not that I don't really use it in, in that capacity too you know and like I think it's also a thing that like, I think sometimes two people get into this whole deal of like talking the shit and they get online, and talk all the shit, but then they start getting shit talked back to them and they can't handle it and they block them or or whatever and it becomes like this whole deal and then there's beef that gets set over for years and it, it doesn't even matter, you know what I mean? It's just fucking music, you know. You like it or you don't, you should probably just keep it to yourself because like, you know, who, no one cares about what you think, you know, one way or the other, you know.
0: True, yeah, because at the end of the day, people are gonna like what they like
1: yeah you're not gonna convince anybody otherwise you know like somebody's like gets on twitter like yo fuck spine spine sucks all right cool like whatever 10 people get on the internet and say yo fuck fuck spine they're terrible like they're whatever blah blah okay fine whatever that's not gonna change anything that i'm fucking doing you know what i mean like i going to continue doing what i'm doing i don't you know i don't care what other people think and i think knock loose was like a great example of that, because there was tons of shit on Twitter about all that stuff and and about them and against them and everything like that. And they're just like, yo, fuck you guys. We'll just do whatever we're going to continue doing. We're not, not here to prove anything to anyone. You know, We're going to do what we've been doing from the very beginning. I mean, I remember their first tour. They're playing like basements and fucking crazy, like just like DIY gigs and just like, you know, just pumping it. You know what I mean? Just like out there, like in a van, just trying to get, you know get through to the next gig and get enough money. You know what I mean? Like they really like grassroots built that band up. There was no like involvement of some like management, you know, team coming in and being like, hey, we really see like potential here. Like let's change your sound. Let's do this. Like I applaud those guys. Like they uh you know they've they really like were able to make something out of, you know, the vision that they had when they started and they've been able to evolve with it. And I think uh I think the most important thing is that they've they've strayed they've stayed, you know, true to themselves. And I think people have seen that and maybe the haters in that regard have like jumped on board with them and, and supported them after the fact because they were like, oh, maybe we were wrong about them or whatever. But I think that, you know, for me at the end of the day, you just gotta be true to yourself and you know, fuck any anybody that's just gonna like say some shit to kind of tear you down, like that's not constructive, you know. I think is it's all for attention. It's never been something I'm like super interested in. It's different. You know, if you're like in a group chat with your friends and you're talking shit or whatever, like that's completely different. Right. Because you're just you're just shooting the shit. You know what I mean? The, you know, most of the time there's probably like no malice in it at all. But the second you get on the Internet and you're like posting about stuff and it's just like, come on, dude, you know, why don't you do something else with your energy? You know?
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. But uh, going back to the the, the spine record, I'm um, curious uh, uh, who did the artwork because you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, th- there's a little bit of hold up because um, you wanted the artwork changed but i was looking at the artwork and i I couldn't find out who who did it but i'm I'm definitely uh, curious about it because it's pretty insane
1: yeah it was this guy kane um from denver he's done a bunch of stuff he did the spy record which that band's awesome i didn't had no idea that he had done that i think the spy record came out like earlier in the year Mm -hmm. um and we had been working with kane back in january or something like that might have been january february so um yeah, uh, so he had done the the artwork, all the artwork for it, front, back, um, the singles art, which we actually did the singles art later in the year. I had I had, had the idea of as the record was getting pushed back of changing the singles of what we we're going to do that were different from the music video because originally we were like, let's do the songs in the music video, and then and the the label really wanted to do that, and so I was like, okay, that's fine. I was like, you know what, like let's not do that. Let's do two different singles, and then we'll release the music video separately. Um, and you know it won't be streaming but people could at least just see the music video was really more visual than anything so like i wanted to do some different songs so then i had kane draw up some different artwork and so with that we had had on the b side we had different artwork that was supposed to be screened on it and i had wanted to use the artwork he did for fantasy for the b-side artwork because um i felt like it fit more the vibe of the record than what was originally on it and um i'm glad that i did but it ended up pushing back the record another like two months um than what it would would have originally came out but at that point i was like it's already been pushed back so much like i want it to be exactly what i wanted and bridge Nine was actually cool with it um you know they were just like hey like if we do this we're gonna have to push back the release um which i at the time i didn't really understand because it's like you're gonna get the records in anyways. like you know, you haven't, you haven't printed any of the, any of this on the B side yet. So we don't have, you know, we haven't even done that. So I didn't understand what the delay was for it, but regardless, it ended up working out and they were down with it. And I think it came out. I think the B side artwork came out great for it. So it's funny though, that you mentioned the artwork, like no one's told me that, like no one's straight up, no one's come out and told me, but I've heard from a few like mutual friends that people like hated the artwork for it. And I was, I was kind of surprised because, uh, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see what people didn't like about the artwork. Um, I have my reservations on the faith artwork, which are the two basically instances that we kind of strayed from what our, um, formula was before, which is really more like, you know, photos or, or images and stuff like that we've been doing. So we did like actual art for mm-hmm. them. So my, my, my feelings on the faith artwork have kind of changed a little bit, but um i was i was really into the conceptual art for the the cover with the buildings that were supposed to be um you know kind of weapons and guns and stuff that you know if you look closely at that you can see there's a lot of like things to unpack with it i was surprised people didn't didn't like it but at the end of the day like we were talking at, at last week as a band and like i was just like well like that's cool i like it i think it's i think it's cool and so i thought kane really killed it as far as like really putting in as many different elements of what we were trying to capture with, with the concept of the record. So.
0: I think our works fine. Like w- w- when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, cool. There's like a lot going on. So I, I want to, you know, uh, analyze it. Like I, I think the guy getting, you know, uh, stabbed like, you know, from underneath, I think that's intense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I look at it. I, I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's uh th- that part of is, is, um, is lifted the concept of that's like lifted from the um from a line in the record uh where from need for war where there's a line that says i want to split your head wide open <laughs> that's from that's from, there's a lot of stuff like like i said it's hard because you put a lot of stuff into art mm-hmm. in general like just what you want to put in there and, and have a lot of ties to it but it's hard because there's just like not a there's not a lot of patience with it as far as like wanting to understand like why certain things exist and stuff and that's fine you know but i was just surprised to hear that people didn't like the art for it because i thought it was cool but
0: yeah well i'm curious too now because i haven't uh you know heard anybody uh, say they hated it so now i kind of want to ask around like, hey what do you think about this artwork because i because yeah. i i love the the artwork um uh well now that i know it, i'm that it was a guy who did the stuff for spy i love that band and i, I thought the, yeah, his artwork was awesome that, that he did for spy so it's
1: yeah yeah it's he does great stuff and and really a lot of that came through because he's from denver we have a close like denver connection like the scenes kin city denver have for a long time i've mm-hmm. known a lot of the bands and, and stuff for the past 10 years and um i thought it would be cool to work with an artist in denver and kind of continue to kind of um solidify that connection between the scenes and stuff and and yeah and it
0: that came out great that's awesome i I think Denver hardcore. I'm always will have a special place in my heart because there was a band way back when called uh, Fight Like Hell that I was from out there, and like a lot of those guys were really good to me uh, when I was younger. Uh, so shout out to those guys. But uh, yeah, they- I
1: remember those guys. I think mm-hmm. they were from um, they were from like a suburb of Denver or something like that. But I saw them. They played Kansas City a few times just because it was so close.
0: Yeah, I didn't know them though. Mm-hmm. I didn't
1: know those guys. But
0: yeah, all yeah, I
1: used to play KC a lot
0: all really good guys. Uh, I, I know uh, the, one of their guitar players, his name is Matt. He he plays in a newer band out of Las Vegas called spirit world. So I've heard him. Yeah, cool yeah. 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 Um, it's like uh, members of like Folsom. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah, like yeah. a Viper. Yeah. So,
0: uh, so shout out to Matt, uh, but there's actually um, a, a current uh, band from, uh, I'm pretty sure they're from Denver. They're called wide man. Uh, are you familiar?
1: Uh, uh-uh. wide man. No,
0: Okay. You should check them out They're Uh, I, I feel like they're in the same vein as like have heart, like one step closer, like super awesome band.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'll check them out. Wide man. Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you mentioned the, the, the music video. I was curious a- about that because I'm not familiar with the guy who directed it. Like I went to his website to like watch like, or to see like some of his other work. And I was just watching like commercials that he's done. And I was like, Mm -hmm. how did they get this guy to direct the video? Like what was the connection there to um, Joshua? Is it Dubois? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Dubois. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Josh, I actually work with Josh. I work in editing. So, I okay. media buying supervisor and ad agency and josh uh he does his it's not on the website, but he's been working on this documentary for like the past ten years. oh wow, and i have been um I have seen his stuff. he also did this um uh, what's it called um he did this he did a, a ten minute short about two years ago um called not Life of Film i'm blanking on it right now but it's about this guy from kid city used to be in up uh hardcore i can't remember in his original original scene straight edge guy um but it's his story about how he tried to commit suicide and so josh shot it and it's just a very it's it's just shot really well it's really really well done and then his documentary that he's been working on that hasn't been out um is also shot like extremely well and he does a lot of uh really cool like landscape shots he's really good with like Um, shots of um, like scenery and he's just got really good, uh, he's just got a really good eye. And so um, I had been trying to figure, I came up with the concept for the song, for the two songs, uh, L.O.H. and L.O.V., Land of Honey, Land of Violence. And I had this whole idea of like a contrast and of trying to kind of find some way to depict um, the essence of both of the songs visually. And I kind of like concepted out this whole idea and trying to think of who could be cool to do it. You know, like I know, obviously Ian from RJC is a director, you know um, Mason Mercer is a director, good friend of mine. Um, but I was trying to think from logistics, like would they be able to do it? Like what kind of budget would I have to do it? Where would I do it? All these different things. And so I had, I was, I'm friends with Josh and we've worked on projects together at work and different commercials. And I asked him one day, I was like, listen, like, I have this idea. I think you could be really good for this. This is what I'm thinking. This is where I think we could shoot it. This is all the stuff. And he was just like, Antonio, like, I love this idea. Like, I think this would be really cool. Like, I, let me get a few other people involved with this. Cause I think we could make this like really neat. And um, you know, the big thing that you have to look at when you're doing a music video is like, how much is it going to cost? Right? Mm-hmm. So like, how can you do this and, and have it be like cost efficient? So I worked with bridge nine to see like what there was like a budget or anything like that, especially from the last video. Um, and this was like a different take on it because the last video was really kind of like more tongue in cheek and inspired by, you know, biohazard. Um, and thought it would be kind of funny to do. Um, whereas this was like a more serious kind of vision that I had. Um, and they were down and gave us like a small budget for it, but you know, Josh and his team were like, didn't want any money, um, and did it for free. So we went out and kind of scouted a location that the land that was there is actually like land close to where my wife's family, um, lives and um and yeah we shot uh the overhead shots of like a thirty thousand dollar drone and then like used you know like um uh what did we use I can't remember the name of the camera that we used a a, bit, a really nice camera. I think it was an Alexa that we used um to shoot some of the other shots that you saw. And then obviously there's all the editing and everything that went into it. But yeah I mean he's He does awesome stuff. I was glad to see it kind of come to life. That was shot actually last January as well. And so the, and that video was supposed to come out like earlier and kind of help support the whole like rollout because the label wanted to do like a two month rollout. Um, it's kind of long, I thought. And this, it was supposed to kind of help with everything and it didn't. And then it kind of, I think that more than anything probably got more forgotten unfortunately than anything else i don't think uh it got released basically the week of the record so you know there, you know the attention span is, is not very long anyways and there wasn't really like a lot that they could do to kind of help kind of promote it so i think it got lost by a lot of folks but it was a cool it's a cool project and i felt like really kind of helped me from a vision standpoint on like really trying to like see something that I had thought in my mind kind of come to life in the way that I'd want it to. Um, so it was a cool, it was a cool process.
0: For for me, I'm always interested in bands doing music videos because growing up I was, uh, watching MTV, VH1, BT. So whenever there was like a song that I like, that's where I, I would get all my music when I was younger. Cause that was like before the internet. Um, so whenever there was a song that I liked, I knew that there was always a music video attached to it. So that was always something to look forward to so um these days when whenever a band in our space does a music video i feel like that's them kind of going like um like the extra mile to, to do something um with their body of work because not everybody does music videos i feel like it's a little more yeah. rare these days so w- when i saw that you guys were doing another one i'm like hell yeah this is awesome this is like uh something that i'm looking forward to and want to check out and going into it i thought it was going to be more like the last music video. Just because I I didn't expect it to, to be so like um artsy, if that's fair to say, um, yeah. But but watching it, I was like, oh, this is this is pretty insane. Because like looking at it and like watching and listening to the music, I, I was like, okay, this could either be like like uh like a crazy like intro to a movie or like a crazy end to some like epic movie. So I I was like re- really digging it. And then like just hearing about um, how expensive that drone was to use that, because like you know it's really like shot well. So to hear that you guys um you're having that kind of equipment, that's insane. But um I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it was,
1: I think we had to get like an FAA permit to, for the, for the drone Mm -hmm. because, um, because of, uh, because of how high it needed to get, to get down, right? And so it was crazy. I mean, honestly, like, it was just cool that they were like that down to do something that was, that had like Josh, like, and, and the other folks that were like, they kind of helped out on the, um, um, on the music video, like, they're not like into punk or, you know, probably just didn't really understand it. But I think I haven't asked him, but I think it, it, probably because we're friends and he's knew like how passionate I was about it and how much he liked the concept of it. I think it's why he kind of put all that he could into it. I mean, I, if I remember correctly, I'd have to look at the credits again, but I'm pretty sure that they, he had has a friend that like won an Emmy for editing or something like that, that he had helped him edit the the video too which is cool mm. um i didn't obviously didn't ask him to do any of that stuff but uh yeah i mean like the it just came out great i wanted the music video to be artsy in a way and kind of highbrow in a way not in a pretentious way but just sort of you know lov is really a in some ways a departure maybe a little bit not to say sonically from the music that we've done before but really like where I want to take the band cuz now it's like my vision and kind of where I want it to go because John's no longer in the band so visually I wanted this to really mimic what I what I wanted to do and and also stylistically and so and you're listening to the music and you're seeing what you're seeing on the screen I wanted a lot of it to be kind of anxiety inducing and also like a contrast and I wanted you to be confused and then I wanted it to sort of like end and not know what the fuck you just saw you know what I mean and um I was really trying to like set that tone with it and I you know I think that I did um with it I haven't heard a lot of like negative things from the music video which is cool um I'm sure that there is uh kind of like I alluded to before like no one really tells me like when you're in the in the band and you're like in it you don't really hear a lot of negative stuff, especially me. I'm, I'm not on like social media looking for that type of stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's out there. You know what I mean? And then I'll yeah. hear about it from like, you know, f- you know, tertiary talk from people that are like, Hey, did you hear this? Or did you hear that? Or did you see that or whatever? But at the end of the day, I was like, like, I like with the cover and with the music video, like if people like it or not. I mean, I, I'm really happy with it. And I think it, it really, really did what I wanted it to do.
0: And I, I'm, I'm curious with the song selection. Cause obviously, um, uh, LOH and LOV, those tracks are uh, you know connected. Was it important to have um, you know both of the tracks like you know combined for the music video? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, um, land of violence um, is this whole concept of like. I'm sorry. I'll start with land of honey. Land of honey starts off the the, the music video, um, and the whole concept of that is just like you know we have like all these supplies. We have like ample. Uh, resources in this world, and th- that could be really anything—whether it be emotional, material, or, or whatever. We have, we have, you know, a lot to give and, t- and to receive. Um, however, you know, at some point, there's not going to be, there's not going to be this continuous land of honey, right? In, in 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 the concept of 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 the of the word, like there's not going to be a, there's not always going to be this willingness to sort of like look out for each other and to share and to. Um, you know, just be decent human beings, right? Like it's just not, and it always it always ends up like resulting in in violence. And so the song then transfers into land of violence, right? So visually, when you're looking at it, it starts off with like a real pretty scenic sort of shot with the snow and everything, and then as the song of land of honey starts, the what you see it becomes a little more complicated, the visuals of the trees and the ground it's just not as pretty anymore it's kind of ugly the song then kind of fades into a land of violence and that's where you see the body and um you know land of violence just being exactly that that like at the end of the day like when resources are depleted when when we no longer have what we need to survive and what we need to exist it always gives way to violence and um and it's really the only answer when we when we reach that point because there's it's a point of no return and so um i wanted the the people that were in the music video to, to be somewhat representative of society and also for you to not know whether or not they were alive or they were dead or it was really up to you to kind of decide and so i think having those two songs back to back were are really important because i think it um kind of told the story um I mean, you'd have to read the lyrics, but it kind of told the story visually with the music, and also you know l o v land of violence really sets the whole concept of the whole record as a whole. so I think that that um it was important to have those two included
0: and you you mentioned the lyrics um will you ever post them to the band camp or somewhere online for people to read? um
1: I don't know i like funny you answer you asked that I actually have no idea is are those is that on bandcamp? yeah it's, it's probably bridge nine probably put it on breaking
0: yeah right? it's it's on the, um, the uh, bridge nine Bandcamp, but there's no lyrics there
1: yeah i should ask him to put them up there i think i'd put the lyrics up for like the band has a band camp of all the stuff that we've self-released i think the our lyrics are on there i think mm-hmm. um but yeah i should ask him yeah i, I wouldn't be opposed to putting them up online I no problem with that at all
0: okay and uh for people who got the um there was a variant that was sold through bridge nine and it came with a a zine can you talk about that because uh you know i didn't get a copy because I, I i don't buy records but I, I really wanted to know what the zine was like so i, I hit you up and you were nice enough to to uh, send me a digital copy of the zine i really appreciate that but can you talk about um uh, what that zine meant to you and why um, you included it in that limited edition variant yeah so
1: originally there was this whole idea that we were going to do the record, the record was going to come out simultaneously with an art show that I was putting together.
0: Oh, like, okay.
1: I don't think that the art show—I I was trying to play to play around with what the name of the art show was going to be. Originally, it was it was going to be Good Grief. Um, I won't go too far into what that was. Um, hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to to do that. But it was supposed to kind of coincide with the band, the band's record. Um, and if when you came to the like the art exhibit installation, you would be given a zine and the zine was going to be able to kind of help you unpack like the process you're getting ready to kind of go on. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the process had to do a lot with like trying to be emotionally raw. Uh, But again, I won't go too deep into that. So that was supposed to happen. And then the volume two of the zine was going to be what came out with this, which was basically a way to visually, um unpack what you visually and and written to kind of help unpack and further emphasize the concepts that I was trying to like um depict on the record so um it was just supposed to be kind of an extension of of things that that obviously couldn't be included on uh the record itself and it kind of help companion so as you're like as you're listening to the record and maybe reading the lyrics you're also reading And looking at the images that are being depicted in the booklet um and just to kind of help kind of hit home further like what what we were trying to do with that record so it was just and also too like i like i like when bands add like little touches like that um when it comes to their their music and their art i could definitely appreciate even if i don't like the music i can definitely appreciate that level of 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 touch you know
0: yeah damn uh i I think about uh you saying art installation that that just would have been such an awesome thing to happen because I feel like just to have that experience because I, I, I there's like a couple things that trigger in my brain when, when you talk about that like I remember uh I, I listened to this uh pop singer her name's Halsey I'm not sure if you're familiar with her yeah yeah uh, so Halsey, yep mm-hmm. yeah so she she had this album called Badlands. And she did a secret uh, L.A. show like you had to go to this pop up to get uh, it was all free. So you had to go to this pop up on a Wednesday to get a ticket for the show that was on Friday. And um, the location wasn't revealed until like Friday morning or whatever. But like um, it was in some random warehouse in the arts district. And like you walk into the warehouse and there is like uh, a a guy in a hazmat suit playing like ballads from the record on this like crazy piano with like, you know, crazy fog machine. That was like the first room. And then the next room there was it was like an art gallery there was um like each track on the record had its own art piece which was pretty cool and then at the end of that room there was like a giant chalkboard where you could like sign your name or write whatever and then um after that, um, there was like a giant gate that led outside, and to the left there was like a Taco Bell truck, where, you know, for free food. Um, you could just go order whatever you want, and then to the right was just a, like a stage that um, they had, and she just performed uh, the album. It was insane, and just think yeah, about that is like, really cool. Yeah, so just thinking about like all that effort just to uh, you know uh, have her fans come check out like the, the new record and just give them an experience. Uh, was insane, so I just like so like little stuff like that. It's just like um so just to, hearing you, um, you know, you had this like art, uh, um, art show planned. i I think that would have been like so awesome to tie along with the record, because I feel like that's something that people who showed up would never forget.
1: Totally, yeah. I um, I had wanted it to be like some like the the space that I was looking at to do like makes you do like an installation for like a month, but I really only mm-hmm. wanted it for like a weekend. So like. It'd be like okay, we'd have the gig like on a Saturday, and we would have people comment on that Friday to check out the installation and stuff, and then by Sunday it would be done, right? Um, but we would have we would have had to have done it for a month, and I hadn't fig- by that time I hadn't figured out exactly like how we would do it or have you people come check it out or whatever. But but um, but it, it would have been cool. I I'm hoping to still do it like post COVID um, when it's like safe. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe by that time the next record will be out by then or something. I don't. I have no idea. And I can kind of pair it with that. But because really the concept of the art show wasn't directly tied to the record as much as it was tied to just the kind of the themes and stuff like that of like the band that I've created from like a lyrical standpoint.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think you should 100% still try to keep it going because I seriously think that that'd be an awesome thing and seriously something people would never forget if, if they went. Totally. Yeah. No.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah. We'll see. It'll be it'd, it'd be cool.
0: My buddy Nate and I—we Nate still lives in the desert, like out in the Palm Springs area. That's where I grew up. And uh, there's this like biannual art exhibit, and it's like um, art installations across the Coachella Valley. And uh, I'm not sure when it started because I know about it because of him. Because I I would go back home for Coachella Fest, and um, it's always around the time Coachella Fest happens. So it's just like another thing to do, like while you're like in town, and they would just have these things like spread across the the city and you could either download the app to have a map of all the art installations or you could go to like this sp- specific hotels the ace hotel and they would just have like maps there for people and they had some crazy like art installations like one of the craziest ones um, they had like this um it was like an rc car uh out in the middle of the desert just driving around um, with like ten thousand dollars in in cash and um, you just had to go and find it and if you did the money was yours that was cool I think my favorite one was uh, there was um, like in the middle of the desert, they, they made this like makeshift bomb shelter. Like um, there's like warnings, like, you know, you had to like agree to all this stuff, like, you know, like so that they weren't liable if you got hurt. But you had to climb down this ladder and literally go through like this giant, like, you know, uh, bomb shelter door. And then at the back of the shelter was uh, John F. Kennedy. It's like some random statue of him just sitting in the chair, like underneath a, like a, like this lamp. And there's just like so many cool stuff. And uh, that's dope. Yeah. And it's actually um, coming back uh, this year, which I'm curious what it's going to be like, because, you know, obviously we're still in the pandemic. So I'm curious to see what people are going to be able to create, um, you know, uh, this year to keep everybody safe, but also be, uh, you know, creative with their art. Because I think the last like two years ago, like the coolest thing that I saw was out in the middle of the desert. And I'll send you pictures. I have a picture of me with this thing. But out in the middle of the desert, it was just this giant shipping container that was like just neon orange. And and I'm not like super artsy. I'm not like super into like fine art. I just like these art installations because it's cool to go look at and try to interpret what these people are trying to get across. Yeah. But but I remember me and my buddy Nate, we walked out to the desert. It was like in the middle of the desert. We had to like, like hoof it through the like bushes and stuff. And like we, we took pictures. But as we were walking back to our car, we see these girls walking out and they brought props. They brought like a little like coffee table and chairs to kind of make it to set a scene. And I'm like, oh, I was like, I didn't even think about that. That like just kind of leveled up like their photo, like, like you know, way cooler than mine. I was like, damn, these people are like really smart because. I just took it for what it was a shipping container in the desert, but no, these girls like brought out props and just made it way cooler. So it's so, like, I, I love art like that. Cause that's like stuff I can kind of like interact with and like see, uh, you know, in person. Yeah. So I, I, I love stuff like that. So like, when I want to hear you talk about doing an art installation for, you know, to tie into the record. I, I think it's just like such a cool idea.
1: Yeah. I think it's like, uh, it's, I don't know. I just got like the idea. It was something I thought about like a few years prior. And so I think like, again, like I think because like, from a vision standpoint of where I want to like take the band now going forward. I thought it would, it would be important to kind of start including a lot more of what I wanted in the forefront to kind of get that level of satisfaction out of the band too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll see, see if we do it in the future.
0: Uh, and uh, another thing I want to ask about the record, um, you guys, uh, you know, still release it through bridge nine. I- I'm stoked to see you guys still on the label or you, I'm still, uh, you know, having a good relationship with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. Bridge Nine is great. They've been uh, really supportive of the band um, since we've been on it, and they've been awesome to work with.
0: Hell oh, yeah, that's awesome to hear because I I think they're such an awesome label, and definitely uh, like have put out some of my favorite records. And just just their history is uh, you know obviously is like really awesome. So I'm always stoked to see uh, you know awesome bands putting out cool stuff on that label.
1: Yeah, no. Chris Chris does a really good job. Ryan, um, who who we. Talk to the most you know he he does a really good job working with bands and and trying to find bands for the label and and keeping that going so yeah they've been they've been great
0: okay hell yeah um kind of want to switch gears is is it okay to ask you about your brother
1: yeah for sure
0: your brother he he fights in the usc for, for people who don't know
1: yep yep
0: and are, are you still helping him out on, on the management side
1: absolutely not we were doing <laughs> that from the beginning but okay. it just got to be too much it's like its own job you know mm-hmm. so um he ended up uh i ended up meeting with a with the guy that he wanted to be his manager and talk to them and stuff and because really it's like one of those things like it was just trying to keep it as much like close and family you know because like you get agents and managers and all that stuff and you know it becomes like a money thing and i mean i get it um <laughs> But I think for him, he was just trying to keep it as like, keep a circle as as small as possible. So Mm -hmm. I met with who his manager is now and thought he was really good. And at the time that uh, he didn't have like a ton of, he was kind of coming up, but he seemed like a really honest guy. My brother really liked him. And I was like, yeah, man, I think if you want to sign with Jason, I think that'd be great. I think he's, I think he'll do you well. And, and he has, I mean, he's done you know, the, the thing with me versus him is I have a, you know, I have somewhat of a background with dealing with, you know, obviously media and, and um, contract negotiations and stuff like that. But, you know, with the UFC, like you really got to be there to like make an impact. Like, so his, you know, his manager is like there, you know, his agents, there like, they're, you know, they're at every fight. They've got tons of fighters at this point now, you know, and have really good uh, connections with like the, the, uh matchmakers and you know um you know as far as like getting him the contracts he needs and that he wants and the support that he needs from the organization i think all that stuff's like super important so um i uh I, it ended up being like the best honestly because i'd seen too stressed out with it anyways
0: no for sure no that's awesome here i'm just glad that he's uh, you know with somebody that um, he wanted to be with and it sounds like a, you know it's you know a good relationship
1: yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. I mean, to give perspective, I mean, he hadn't fought um, since 2017, I think, or 2018, 2018. And uh, he had, he was supposed to fight the same guy twice last year. And on the second time, basically his manager's like, listen, guys, like we need to do something, you know, for, for Julian. And like, yeah, has not fought in a while, like the, the guy keeps on dropping out. Like we need to get him a fight. Like, you know it's been he hasn't got to check in x amount of time he's an injury you know all those different things and so they ended up like you know really giving him a real sweet deal and he got a new contract and um you know honestly something that like i'm i was probably capable of doing but since i don't have that relationship with like with the matchmakers and and those people that you will because i'm not there hmm. it probably would have been a lot different you know so i mean it's even stuff like that's really benefited him. And he's needed like support for different things. Like, you know, over the past year, um, you know, whether it be like physical therapy or whatever he's got going on and they've been able to like work with the UFC to get that. And it's, it's definitely worked out for the best. Honestly, I'm happy for him.
0: Yeah. And he has a fight uh, coming up in February, right?
1: Yep. 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 He does. um, Which if all goes well, it'll be, it'll be great. It'll be his return. And since 2018, so um, I believe, uh, it's against, uh, Maki Pitolo. So it should be a good fight. I mean, he's, he's ready. He's been ready, you know? So it's just, you know, now it's just like getting, getting there. We're about a month, a little under a month now out of the fight. So, and he actually, so he trains now in Kansas city. So he was in Kansas city originally mm-hmm. before he was in the UFC moved out to Vegas lived in Vegas and he was training out of a gym out of there. And then he switched gyms. And now, now that the gym that he was at originally uh, glory has gotten bigger and they've got bigger bodies. And, you know, James has done really good, a really good job with that gym. He's, he's back training with James. That's who he was training with uh, before. And so um, he, st- he still lives in Vegas, but um, he's training. He's trading his last for the last opponent in this opponent in Kansas city. So he's actually living with me right now uh, in the meantime, um, and going back and forth through Vegas when he needs to um, for that fight.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I, I had no idea that he went back home to to train. So that's that's cool to hear. And uh, the the card that he's on, he's on that uh, Kamar Usman versus Gilbert Burns uh, pay per view, which yeah. is uh, insane. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, everything goes well. Uh, you know, that, that the fight actually happens and uh, he, he makes it there because I feel like uh, there's going to be a lot of eyes watching that card because it's, it's a pretty stock, pretty stacked lineup
1: yeah man i mean it's it'll be a really good opportunity for him it's his first pay-per-view um cause it's a pay-per-view right it's still pay-per-view mm-hmm. yeah
0: ufc yeah. 258 yeah
1: yeah so yeah because there was some talk about it being a fight night like uh originally but um because originally i think it was colby and uh um, and jorge were supposed to fight on that card this mm-hmm. was like back in November, I think. And then obviously that's not happening then, but yeah, I mean, it'll be a great opportunity for him. Um, just to get, get at that level. I mean, you've seen some of the guys he's fought or some of the guys he's beat, you know, really kind of have really awesome opportunities in the time that he's been gone. And I think he's just itching to get in there and fight, you know, that's really all he, he wants to do. And I think, um, you know, I think his opponent matches up really good against him. Um, and I think he's just ready to kind of showcase like his skills post, uh, you know, post injury and, and, uh, you know, just kind of leave it all out there. I mean, he's, he's very determined at this point, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to his return. It's, it's going to be awesome to, to watch him fight and get back in the cage.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm ecstatic, honestly. Like, I just, just can't wait till February 13th and for it to go down. I mean, you know, he's my, my younger brother. And, you know, you put, you know, when you have, when you have like a, you know, someone in your family that's in, in a sport in general, you know, you, you know, especially with like someone that that you're really close with, you know, you kind of like, you'll hit those highs and you hit those lows with them. And, you know, when he had that last fight, um, you know, it really kind of fucked me up, honestly, because, you know, my opinion, everyone would say this if he lost, but, you know, he, he lost by split decision. I think he won that fight. Mm -hmm. Um, And for him to lose that fight. And there was a lot of stuff going on that week of, You know, he, you know, he he didn't make his weight, which was like something he's never done. You know, he just wasn't like in the place that he needed to be. And so, and then knowing he was going to be out for a period of time, you know, you're dealing with a lot of demons at that point in time, just trying to like, just crawl out of the hole that you've kind of created for yourself, you know, and just try to get to where you need to to get to. And I mean, he's no, he's no stranger to adversity, you know? So, I mean, it's just walking in that ring will mean, will mean more. It'll, it'll mean more than maybe just getting to the point to where he was at before because he's kind of starting over in a way, you know, all the momentum he had, you know, because of the injury and, and stuff, you know, uh, it hasn't continued because he hasn't fought in so long. So I think for him, it's like, for him, he's he's looking at this, like this is his first fight in the UFC and he's got to prove himself, you know? And I think that that's the right mind frame. You got to have, you know, you've got to have that, that chip on your shoulder. You've got to have that mental advantage when you go into a fight that you are, the underdog and you are you know you're nobody you know what i mean and you got to go out there and you got to prove yourself you know win or lose you got to go out there and you got to leave it all out there you know so um for me i'm just excited for him to step in the ring in in february and and uh you know kind of continue his dream you know
0: hell yeah i'm I'm curious did you have a chance to watch the max holloway fight that just happened over the weekend
1: incredible incredible fight like i mean his opponent was awesome. Like he did a really, really, really good job. Um, in the sense of just like not getting like knocked out. Right. But mm-hmm. like, but he had a lot of heart, you know what I mean? He wasn't going down. And I think Max is so determined th- at this point. Cause you know, he had the two decisions with uh Volkanovski. Right. And, um, both of those, you know, I think could have gone either way. I think Max won the last one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and so I think you know, he's just determined to be like, listen, you know, I've not lost a step. I'm just as determined as I was before. You know, I deserve this rematch. I'm going to show you, and I'm going to show everyone else that like, not only am I going to beat this person, but I'm going to show you that I deserve to be in a completely different category of fighter. And I mean, that last round where he was like, You know, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of showboating and stuff, you know, um, a little bit, you know, I I don't see as much as showboating as him just trying to prove like, what his skill set is, which is insane. Um, And I think he did a he did a good job. I mean, enough for Dana to basically say, hey, like, you know, we d- you deserve a third fight with him you know what i mean and a lot of times i think it you look at the ufc i mean you, you lost twice already like what do you what is there left to prove especially that close amount of time for a third fight but you know i think um i think there's only one fight that makes sense for max and that's against that's that's a third one against volkanovski
0: yeah i definitely agree because when I, I i watched the second fight against um you know holloway versus uh, volkanovski, I walked away and I was like, okay, there's no way uh, he lost that. And just, uh, I, I, and I hate saying robbed because obviously, um, you know, the, like in the sport of MMA, there's like very few instances of people getting robbed, but like we're just watching that fight and rewatching it. There's just no point where, I see Volkanovski like you know getting the the proper you know score to to win the fight. Yeah, like he came on it in in the 5th round, that's fine. Give him that round, but there's no way like you know when you look at the fight as a whole like that he beat Max Holloway that night. So I'm I'm hoping yeah. I'm I'm hoping in the future uh, if Volkanovski can get past Ortega or even if Ortega beats Volkanovski that uh, Max gets the next crack at the title cuz he he definitely deserves it more than anybody.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean it, I remember watching the fight and it reminded me a lot of my brother's fight. And and it just goes back to the end, like, as far as the judge's decision goes, not the actual, um, effort in the fight, but like, I think that like, you, you can never leave it in the judge's hands. You just can't because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to you've got to find a way to finish or just without a doubt, you know, kind of like Max's fight this, this weekend. Like you can't, you just can't leave it in the judge's hands because it's, it's never going to spell for anything successful for you. And I think that that's, you know, the thing with my brother is he it was on the wrong end of that stick in his last fight against Alessio. And I think that like, uh, I think that's why when he goes into to the cage in February, you know, he's going in there to end the fight as soon as possible whether it be stand up or on the ground, whatever it is, because he doesn't want to have to rely on the judges to come through for him. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Cause they've screwed up so many things for so many fighters and it, yeah. it's, it's scary. I, I can't even imagine being in their position, you know, knowing that, Oh shit, the fight went to a decision. Like, will they get it right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot of stress. Uh, my dad is a judge. He used to be a ref, so he's a judge and he does it on the side. Cause he's, we kind of grew up with all that. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but uh, my dad's real plugged into the sport and um, and he's a judge himself. So, you know, I've talked to him many times, especially during cards. Like, how would you score this? Or what are you looking for? Why wouldn't this be this? Or, you know, um, and, you know, most of the time he's pretty spot on, but there's a lot of fights where I'll look at him when we're watching and we're like, how would you score? He's like, I'm glad I don't have to score it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because there's just a lot you know there's a lot that goes into it and like to, to not completely shit on the judges like i think that like you know you got to be watching for a lot of stuff you know i mean think about like think about like when you're watching like an nfl football game and you, in real time you have to see if somebody's in bounds or not you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's that level of detail and like um attention that you have to have um to be good at what you do and um sometimes the judges just get it really wrong you know and um, it's just better to not like put it in their hands if you can if you can avoid that you know.
0: Hundred percent, I, I definitely agree. Uh, but I, I have to ask, since I have you here uh, th- this weekend, uh, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, too. I'm just curious uh, who you think is going to come out on top of that one because I'm really soaked on this rematch. It's going to be a crazy fight.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I I think Connor's going to I think Conor's going to win. I think Dustin's great. Uh, no knock on him, but I think Conor's. Connor Dustin Dustin doesn't have as much to prove, I think, than Connor does. Connor's mm-hmm. got to basically win. Like Connor did the whole heel route for most of his career. And you could tell it's on the whole press run in the past like six to eight months, he's really changed his whole like approach to fighting and how he's gonna sell a fight and everything like that dustin loses this fight it's not the end of the road for him or anything like that um i think that dustin i think people are expecting dustin to put up a good fight i think people will probably think that that connor or connor should win this fight so for dustin to lose i think you know it's if he were to lose which i think he will um depending on how it how it goes you know i think it's just him kind of getting back in the gym and getting after it but for connor i think his his um ego took so much of a blow i think against khabib and I think well, all the bullshit that kind of happened with that. And then he fights Cowboy, which in my opinion was like the UFC basically giving Cowboy um, kind of a, I wouldn't say a softball, because I don't think, I don't think Cowboy thought he could beat Connor, but it was more of like, hey, you know what? We're going to give you like a, a mo- big money fight because you've been, you know, part of the organization for a long time. You've been really supportive. You've been there for us when we needed short, you know, um, you know, uh, shorthanded like, Fights, you know, you've you've really been there for us. We're gonna throw you a dime, which the UFC does a lot, you know. And so they did. They gave him gave him that fight, and Connor came in and just like did what he did, you know what I mean? But but to me, that wasn't like an opponent that I thought was um at the level of Connor to begin with. And that's not a knock on Cowboy. I just don't think I think that Connor's talent is just so much more compared to Cowboy, especially with their ages and where they're at in in their games, right? Um, so, for Dustin, I think it'll be a great fight. It's a great fight for Connor to have, but I think Connor wins, and I think it means more for Connor to win than for Dustin to win. I mean, obviously, Dustin winning would be huge, but I think him losing isn't going to be as bad or detrimental, I think, as if Connor loses the fight. Because if Connor loses the fight against Dustin, um, I think that it puts a wrench into his kind of comeback plans and the hopefuls the fight could be begin. I think. I think at that point, Connor then just needs to rethink whether or not he wants to continue fighting. Cause he really doesn't have to anymore, you know? And he, you, and I would argue he's in his prime, but he doesn't have to fight anymore. So if he loses to Dustin, like, where does he go from there? You know what I mean? Like, what does he, what does he do? And what's his path like to get to, um, to get to Khabib, you know what I mean? So, um, I think, the, I think, I think Connor, Connor wants to fight and that's no diss to Dustin at all. I just think Connor's just got a lot, a lot invested in this
0: for sure i i i yeah I, I do agree with connor having more uh you know riding on this than dustin because connor he has uh you know still probably the, the biggest superstar in the sport and if he loses this uh you know where does he go from here because he's always gonna just fall back in the rankings and just start fighting you know top 10 and not the yeah. top five so th- th- that would be weird and um you know he he is so expensive like his his contract uh, the money that he uh, has to get so i'm not i'm sure the ufc is not going to want to put him against just some random you know top 10 opponent and have to pay him so much money so um it's it's going to be interesting i'm 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 happy that he's back and uh, you know he's taking it serious um, right now he's not you know involved in doing you know any weird boxing or hollywood stuff i'm, I'm glad that he's like you know really focused and uh, taking this uh, the mma game serious again
1: yeah i mean like you could argue the stuff before that he did um, whether an act or not, I think I think everyone could agree he probably took it a little too far with a lot of the stuff it could be yeah. and um and I think that he probably realized that too. I mean, win or lose, I think he would have been fine, but I think just everything that went in to sell that fight and the, the links that he went to sell the fight and the <laughs> how low he stooped to sell that fight, I think was um it made best you know great fodder for like a fan but i mean there was a lot of real shit that came with that and i think i think he i'm assuming he realized that that, that like hey you know what because i mean that shit's an act like I, I i know that i know just because my brothers in the sport are knowing some other fighters and stuff like that like you got to do what you got to do to sell a fight, you know? And very rarely are there, are people actually like pieces of shit, you know, like in in that sense, um, they all want the same thing, which is to like make a lot of money and and to do what they can to to do it. Connor rides the fence a little bit on, on whether or not, in my opinion, whether or not like he actually believes the crap that he says. Um, but from everything I've ever heard, he's always been like a very stand up dude, real solid, like, you know, outside of like the cameras and stuff and really supportive. And that's what you're kind of seeing now. And I think, I think Connor's probably at a mode now where he's like, you know, I don't have to sell the fights like this anymore, you know, and like build some level of camaraderie because whether fighters want to admit it or not, like Connor being in the sport is is a is a big deal. It's not make or break, but it definitely takes it up a notch, right? Because of his of his history. It's kind of like, you know, like n- not to compare him to Tiger Woods in the sense of like you know, Tiger's, you know, not at the level that he was before all the scandal and stuff. But, you know, like people pay more attention. You know, have a lot more fringe fans pay attention to, to golf when Tiger's in in a tournament, you know. And I would say the same for Conor because people want to see, you know, what Conor's going to do. You know, I mean, he's that type of fighter. He can make that big of a difference. Um, so um, I like this new take that he's he's going with. it. Some people like the whole like WWE storyline stuff that like some of the fighters try to do. Colby Covington being one of them. Um, I I just prefer it to be just real, real shit. If you really don't like each other, that's fine. Then put it out there. But like, I don't want to. I just don't want to see a lot of like theatrics and VS, You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, I, I I totally get it. I get flack from my friends because I talk about how I like Colby Covington as a fighter. Uh, but i'm not you know i, I don't care about his act because i know it's an act just listening to different um you know uh, podcasts and personality and people saying yeah like he's not like that off camera he's just doing it to try to generate um you know more interest from fans and uh, you know get more eyes on him so he can get these bigger fights and more or, or higher pay so uh, I, I i get it and i'm the same way too like I I lived through the Trail Sonnen era and you know seeing yeah. all of Connor stuff, so it's like yeah, it's like you, you've basically seen it all, and like I'm um would just more be into just uh, like more of like a purist aspect. Just I, I I'm here to watch these guys fight, and not you know trash talk yeah. each other.
1: Yeah, and and like most of those guys have writers, like you would in the WWE, like straight up they just they have people that write for them and things that they should say in interviews and you know the stuff like angles that they should take and and all that stuff because like you know that stuff sells fights you know so they're gonna go it and they're gonna do it and you've seen it with with Colby and it takes away I think from the actual talent that some of these guys have you know because you're right I mean Colby in the ring he's a good fighter like he there's nothing like you know, his whole act is a straight up piece of shit and just, he overdoes it big time. But like as a fighter, like, you know, he's, he's really good. I mean, he's one of the best fighters. I think the fight with Jorge is going to be huge, you know? Um, And so, but it's hard because you can't like, you can't really support him because he's, because he's got this stupid fucking like deal that he, you know, this flag that he tries to fly just so he Mm -hmm. could like piss people off and want like, pay to see him get knocked out. You know what I mean? Like he's going for the whole angle of people paying to see him get knocked out. And that's where he makes, you know, where he's making his money and his mark. But at some point in time it just gets tiring. And I'm sure that's where Connor's at. He's like, you know, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Like people think I'm a piece of shit. But I'm not a piece of shit. Like I want to show people who what I really am, you know? And so I think that that's where a lot of that stuff goes. But yeah, most of those guys have actual writers. I know for a fact. <laughs> like people that just straight up write for him, which is so bizarre to me. But yeah, it's true.
0: That is crazy. But damn, Antonio, this has been awesome. I, I seriously thank you for uh, being down to come back on the podcast. That uh, definitely means a lot to me. And like I said, uh, you know, you're, you're a big part of why I'm still here today. So seriously, um, thank you. Uh, but before we sign off, is there anything you want to you know, shout out or plug?
1: No, I mean, I, I would say if you're if you've listened this far, I would say, you know, it's January 2021. You know we're at home we don't have you know a lot that we can do start a band make a scene start a podcast come up with an idea and you know, be creative you know take some risks do something that you didn't think that you could do you we've got the time you know and i would say uh you know really try to like dig deep and and try things that you haven't done before and and if you want to contribute to punk and hardcore in your own way if you can't play music or you don't have a band but you want to do a zine or you want to do a podcast or you know, or you want to start, you know, drawing or, or whatever you want to do, uh, do it because, you know, this is the, the best time to do it, you know, tap into those creative outlets and, and, and try to find whatever ways that you can to, to contribute to, to the things that you care about. So, and listen to the repos. That's, that's important.
0: <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. Well, seriously, thank you. And thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we'll be back soon.